0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Hunting brings us together. It's a human tradition. The connection to nature, the adrenaline of the hunt, the satisfaction of eating the game you bag... It's our shared legacy. And while pheasant hunting has always been a part of South Dakota's story, we're making the next chapter even greater. Welcoming all types of hunters and boosting sports women's voices, that's a legacy to stand the test of time. Go to huntthegreatestsd.com to hear from women who hunt and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. You'll also find public land maps, season information, our favorite pheasant recipes, and resources for beginners. On top of that, you can enter for a chance to win a free South Dakota pheasant hunting trip for you and your crew, plus Shields Outfitters gear. It's all at huntthegreatestsd.com. South Dakota, sportswomen welcome. Hello, my friends, welcome to another episode of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. I'm your host, Steph Lane, and today we have one heck of a guest. As always, we have we have great guests here. I just got back from the Northwoods on a grouse hunt this past weekend, and you've been following along with me the last couple years and my podcast. You know that I've been wanting to get back out grouse hunting, and it was a successful hunt. Tons of walking. One day we did uh, at 15 miles, um, and I am still feeling that absolutely. It was so much fun. We took the puppy with us, uh, let him, you know, kind of check out what grouse were all about, and he had a great time. And I cannot wait to go back every year. Truly, I want to go back every year. And here in Iowa, it's just about pheasant season. Just a few more days until the opener. And I am so pumped, uh, you know, puppy is still pretty young to be going hunting, but I love pheasant hunting anyway, and just to be able to train him and see him on birds, what we're doing with outdoor mentors, getting kids outside, getting them pheasant hunting, I love upland hunting. And I also have big plans to go out to South Dakota this year. I We have multiple friends and, and great opportunity ahead of us in South Dakota, and I can't wait. And if you just heard the beginning of this podcast, seriously, guys, go check out HuntTheGreatestSD.com and check out the chance to win the South Dakota pheasant hunting trip um, for you and your friends. And plus, you can also get gear from Shields, possibly win that too. So definitely check that out. Uh, Again, for (laughs) one more time, go to HuntTheGreatestSD.com. And as you get into your upland season, share stuff with me, share, share pictures, tag, tag, uh, woods and waters project reach out to me. I'd love to forward it on, celebrate you and what you're doing in the outdoors, your bird dogs, everything. And now about our guest. (laughs) I can't wait for you to meet Darren Darren is the hunting and fishing comedian yeah the hunting and fishing comedian which didn't even know was a thing until recently and it's absolutely a thing and when you hear what he does with his talents with his comedy to raise money for nonprofits like, like everywhere it's incredible so he has over 45 years of stories his real experiences of hunting in Iowa, Wyoming, across the country, stories of uh, people and their bird dogs, and the spouses that that deal with those hunters. I, I, I can't wait. So let's get into it. all types of outdoorsmen and their stories and what they do um, to make the outdoors a part of their life and this is definitely a way that I have not heard of or seen Um, so I think this is great
2: (laughs) well as
3: as far as I know I am the only one I've never seen anybody like me and and I just I, I, I Jeff Foxworthy Is kind of my hero, right? And I was listening to him one time, and they they speak to me because I'm, I mean, I've got a college degree, but I'm a redneck. I'm such (laughs) a redneck. I'm a river rat. I'm every, you know, that's me. And so one of the things that he said was one time is, um, when I was listening to him, I just thought to myself, well, there's, I and mean, then he's talking to rednecks and I'm like, there's an entire community of people that hunt and fish. And there are jokes, certain jokes about hunting and fishing, but nothing specifically for that. So I kind of figured out, he had said, he, he gave the analogy one time that, um, when you're a comedian, what you got to do is find that niche. And it's like being, when you're driving around, at Walmart at Christmas and you find a spot and there's an empty spot and that's your spot because no one else is there well because as far as I know nobody else does hunting and fishing that's what I ran with yeah. so
1: yeah uh, no I love that and I I I didn't like I was thinking of um, oh I'm blanking on what it's called the the show that Jeff Foxworthy was a part of the traveling show with Larry the Cable Guy and ron
3: white the the blue collar comedy yeah
1: blue collar comedy i remember watching all of those as a kid and i uh i'm a big fan of all of those guys um that's initially who i thought of like when you reached out because i'm like i've never seen or heard of anything even similar besides that group of guys um and actually weirdly sorry mom that i'm gonna call you out but my mom got tickets to ron white when I was I was only 14 and she didn't really think about it I don't think at the at the time that like oh like my daughter's 14 like should we just all as a family watch the blue-collar comedy show together and um, we go to this club and we watch him and it was awesome it was hilarious but I was by far the youngest person there I don't think I was even supposed to be there uh, but they never parted me or anything but I'm a big fan of that group of guys um and who doesn't like a good laugh you know <laughs> so that's amazing it's amazing
3: yeah it's been it's been a wild ride so
1: yeah it's, I, i've been
3: doing this i've been doing this for for 10 years now and for the first six I was hunting and fishing way too much. And I, people I say, you you can never hunt and fish way too much. I said, no. So I was doing maybe six shows a year, maybe eight shows a year. And my wife finally said to me, she said, I'm sick of you talking about being a comedian. You just go and you start performing or you've got one year or you're done. You're never going to talk about this again. So I started booking shows about four years ago. And one thing led to the other, led to the other, and right, right before COVID, COVID, just kind of messed up comedy in general. But right before COVID was going, I was working every weekend, every single weekend, and it got to the point where people, we, I, I work with a, I work with another guy, and um, during this time period, people just started calling us we didn't even have to call them they were we, they're booking their own shows we're like here come work for us and so it just took off and then COVID happened and it all stopped so
1: yeah, yeah and we so since we just got right into it <laughs> could you introduce yourself uh to the listeners um tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about who you are
3: my name is darren bulow I go by the, the moniker, the hunting and fishing comedian. As far as I know, I'm the only one. I grew up in a little town uh, called Sinansker, Iowa. Um, I'd been fishing before when I was still in diapers. I started hunting at age five, shooting gophers and pigeons. I shot my first pheasant at 10. I got my first hunting dog at age 16, real hunting dogs, before that was a... Um, I, hunter um, with a mutt. I had five German shorthairs over my life. Um, Sinansgarh, Iowa, is a phenomenal place to fish. I know you're in Iowa.
2: Okay.
3: It's got great smallmouth fishing. It's phenomenal. And if you like to fly fish for smallmouth, if you go down in the evenings there around Sinansgarh, yeah. on top water, it's incredible. But anyway, so I have been... Ever since I remember, since I've been four or five, the only thing, well, okay, you think about girls when you're five to you're 95, right? (laughs) But besides thinking about girls, right, the only other things I ever thought about were hunting and fishing. That was it. And so whatever day it was, we were, I was always looking forward to the weekend because I was either hunting this or, I mean, like literally every single weekend would be full growing up hunting something or fishing for something it was always something every single weekend so it's it's i they always talk about people who come into hunting later and i've heard you talk about this before i just it's all i ever knew Mm -hmm. so and i know you didn't you you started hunting when you were what four with your dad
1: yeah yeah um yeah i started i started very young and it's like I think it's hard for me to understand someone not at least like appreciating hunting, you know pre- appreciate you know, to appreciate hunting, um, or like understand it. Uh, but it didn't take long into you know, becoming a teenager where I realized it was very rare to find someone that hunted as much as my family did around us uh, and it, I, I just couldn't believe that it was rare you know because if we, if we went hunting sometimes we would see an, another hunter or two possibly um, you know our most of our family did it uh, and as I got older especially the girls but really I mean I didn't have any I have friends that hunted there's a there's a few kids but um it it was a very low percentage of people that I knew growing up and well into adulthood and I think the only reason I know so many hunters now is because I've kind of built that community and put myself there and put myself out there with the podcast and different things I do but um yeah I'm super grateful for that every single day that that I was exposed to that when I was so little um I just can't, I can't picture me, I, you know, it's hard to put, like, your identity into something, that's kind of a dangerous thing, right, to, like, to, to make something your identity, but it's hard for me to think of me without, without hunting, you know.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it, like, it's, it's, it's what I literally live for all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's, and I'm, all, and it's still to this day, so if Monday comes around, I'm sitting here thinking, what am I doing on Friday? What am I doing on Friday? What trip do I have planned? It's always and it always has been about that. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, to me, it's it's and I, I do most of my comedy that I talk about because I've been I'm I'm going to turn fifty five on Halloween. So in you'd figure that i have been hunting for basically 45, 45, years, right? Sure. Hard and hard for 45 years. Well, everything that's in my comedy is just the crazy things that have happened to me over 45 years. <laughs> and yeah. people say, they always say, well, how, how can you have these things happen to you? I'm like, if you hunt 45 days a year, Stuff is going to happen. It's the wild, right? Uh, Things happen because it isn't like you're in a nice, warm house. Things are going to happen that you... So basically, most of all my stuff, People say, some people say it's more like a one man show. I do some one liners, but then I build up into stories and these stories are real life things. And I always tell people, they go, how much of it is true? I should probably, if I'm telling you the story, probably 95% of it is true. And they, they said, well, but how does this, how do you get so many stories to fill an hour? And I said, well, Part of it is, as I wrote down, I have 300 pages of written material. And then I, over the course of time, I picked out the ones that people liked the most. And then I would tweak little bits here and there. Mm-hmm. Just little bits here and there and sometimes it's just a pause changing a pause can change the entire reaction or changing one word that means the exact same thing and once you do that over and over and over you build up to the fact that my my stories aren't necessarily some of them are five and ten minutes they go on like that and do are they necessarily laughing right away but I can get them to slide forward in their seats to listen. That's when I know I have them. You watch them, they'll slide forward in their seats. And then they blow up laughing, and then they sit back again, and then the next one, I, I can get them sucked into it, which is, it's a great feeling because when you do that, you know that, that they bought into it. Mm-hmm. And I, I do this, I, most of my stuff is starting... About two or, th- I guess it's going on three years. Um, I was doing comedy and it was, I was telling you that I, my I told me I had a bucket and I had this st- Well, I had this idea, but I still wasn't getting enough jobs. So what I did was I said, um, I'm going to do stuff for nonprofits because that's where I wanted to go and where I wanted to raise money for pheasants forever. I want to raise money for elks. I want to raise money for you know, um, Rough Rouse Society, all those. And so I had this idea and I was working with my partner and I said, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do these things and we're gonna do these shows. And at first we'll do them for free and then we're gonna charge as soon as we get enough repetitions. What happened was, um, I started calling and everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> they did. You're <laughs> gonna <laughs> do what? And it took, um, I called different wildlife organizations and every other nonprofit in town, and it took 250 phone calls, emails, and visits to get one to bite. It's insane because they thought, and maybe I am crazy. Maybe that's the reason why I'm a comedian. I don't know. But eventually what happened is after we got one, then we got two, then we got three, and then the ball started rolling. And then as doing more and more shows, you get better at it anyway. And then it just kind of took off. So, and it's been, it's been a fun ride. So. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. And that's so, I mean, yeah, once you kind of, I'm sure you had to like prove yourself, you know, and then once people see what you can do and, and you make them laugh, I, I, I think that's so, so cool. I first, uh, so happy birthday. <laughs> and um, you said, ha- "Did you say Halloween?"
3: Yep, I'm a Halloween baby. Oh. I had the awesomest birthday.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, uh, that's awesome. That's that's such a, like a great response compared to like all the Christmas babies I know who like hate having a Christmas birthday. <laughs> um, do you? Uh, are you? Are you still like? like at least around here. So you live in Wyoming now. But That's correct. Halloween has always been like you need to be in a deer stand weekend. Um it's like a tradition like around here. Like Halloween is the best weekend to be out deer hunting. Um you have to be out hunting on Halloween. Um are you going to be out hunting on your birthday? <laughs>
3: No, and so um, I had kind of told you this before. Is I got COVID a oh, year ago, mm-hmm. r- r- literally a year ago tomorrow, I got COVID, and um, I spent seventy four days in the hospital. Oh my god! And I didn't walk for. I was in a coma for twenty one days. I didn't walk for almost sixty. And I was planning a hunt. I was planning a hunt with a guy out of Fort Collins, and we were going to go and go sharp tail hunting because because I have hunting dogs. I feel guilty if I'm not. I used to big game hunt. It's, there's a couple years where I big game hunted right after college because I didn't have a hunting dog. Mm-hmm. There was like just two years, and then I got a hunting dog, and I'm like I. I can't. I've got these dogs. I train them all year long. So I feel guilty about, you know, go antelope or deer hunting or elk hunting and then not taking them because I spend all year training them. So I was supposed to go hunting with this guy, but um, COVID, uh, how do I say this? So now my lungs are finally back to normal. But I had, my muscles had, had atrophied so bad that now my knee has kind of quit working. Aww. Um,. And when I woke up from, when I woke up from a coma, I had two goals. One goal was to be able to go out and go upland hunting that I made it a goal. And the other one was to go perform comedy. Those are the two things that I had to do. Right. And so what happened is I was supposed to go hunt with this guy a couple of weeks ago and I got my COVID booster and I got really sick. It just happens. So I couldn't go with him, and now this weekend, starting last week, my knee acted up, and because my muscles atrophied, even though I've done all the physical therapy, sometimes it just doesn't work still. So I probably couldn't make it more than about half a mile walking through the um, grass without my leg getting bad. So I'm probably going to be spending the day fishing instead, which really sucks because (laughs) what you talk about, what you talk about being in a deer stand, when I was growing up in Iowa, my birthday came and then the Saturday after, or it used to be the Saturday after, was always pheasant season. And so now, so now what I typically do is I'm either going sharp tail hunting or I go up in the mountains between nine and 10,000 feet and hunt blue grouse. Um, but because of the fact that I don't think my knee will take it, I'm probably going to have to catch trout. So I will feel so bad about it.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sorry you went through that. Uh, and I hope you continue to get better, but it sounds like, it sounds like things are slowly improving. Uh, and (laughs) go, go ahead.
3: Well, I was going to say, so I did get to go upland hunting. So I um, uh, sage-grouse season opened, and I live for sage-grouse season. It is the most incredible hunting. They hold great for pointing dogs. When they get up, sage-grouse are huge. A big male can be up to eight pounds, so when they take off, they literally <laughs> scare you. Oh, you yeah. You will jump if they... <sighs> So there, so it's a lot of fun to go out, and I went out this year, um, but because of the fact, I mean, I wasn't able to go to the trap range at all. I wasn't able to do any shooting. No, I mean, I, I really wasn't able to even work with my dog. I was just trying to get good enough so I could go. So I went and hunted. I hunted four days, and I shot 30 times, and I missed 30 times.
1: <laughs> Hard.
3: Yeah. And, and this is and, and and this comes from a guy who shoots 22, 23 average on trap. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I put so much pressure on myself to get it done. There were straightaway shots that I should have got. I just missed and missed and missed. But the good thing is one of the guys that went with me, he missed like 18 times. So I didn't
2: feel <laughs> so.
1: yeah that uh... but so
2: so i
3: so i did get to go but it's one of those things where i still have to do some rehab on my legs and my my hip my hips the the weird thing is when you can't walk for so long things just happen and it just makes it hard to do stuff Mm -hmm. but like i said i'm hopefully by next year or maybe later in the season here i'm going to be able to go up and do some sharp tail hunting it's going to be hard from here on out most of the places i hunt for chuckers and huns are fairly high elevation and they're steep and they're always snow packed so it's hard to get to them at least where i find them yeah do after a certain period, so how uh,
1: how long ago did you move to Wyoming?
3: I've been in Wyoming since 1986. Oh wow! So,
1: oh, so yeah.
3: So I've been here for. So I, I came out here to go to college. Um, I went up on the fourth floor of the biology building at University of Wyoming. I looked out and saw the mountains, and the guy that rode out with me. I said, "I'm never leaving this place. It, it's it's so beautiful. It's I mean you I know you've been to Wyoming so you know what it looks like. Yeah,
2: I've been And there.
3: I just had a and I've had a I have a draw I had a draw to come to the mountains. So I've been here going on almost it's going to be 31 years or 35 years, excuse me. So
1: That's awesome. I I loved it out there. Um I look forward to going back. I've road tripped yeah. there through there, spent time there, did a um one of my podcasts I was kind of talking about an update. I did a uh drift boat class in Pinedale, Wyoming. Um, just not that long ago actually. Uh I I love it there. I I have uh often thought about I okay. So I have often thought about starting a YouTube channel and I was always <laughs> gonna base it off of being like an Iowa girl becoming like an extreme hunter. Like I'm already a hunter and I'm pretty hardcore for Iowa, but I'm a flatlander. Like I, I am not, you know, I I would love to live and spend a lot of time in the mountains. I want to be an elk hunter and a mule deer hunter and all types of grouse hunter, you know, and, uh, it's rugged. It's rugged out there. I just, this past weekend, um, was up in the north woods and did some rough grouse hunting i on one day i walked all the guys took breaks i never took breaks i was really feeling it i i couldn't wait to get back out grouse hunting i had so much fun but i worked i walked 15 miles in one day and i i am still not quite right i'm like the tin man ever since that um And so, like, thinking about you and, like, what you've gone through and, you know, going 9 or 10,000 feet in elevation to go after a grass, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I I want that. I want to be able to do that.
2: Well, and when I was,
3: I remember when I got out of the hospital, I had to meet with my infectious disease doctor and I was talking to her and I said, I got to be able to do 15 miles by September. I got to do 15 miles in a day. And she said, what? She said, Darren, how about you try for five? Mm-hmm. So on the days that I've been out hunting, I can do about five and a half miles, and then my knee just gives out; It's just gone. And since the last time, Sage Cross has been hunt, closed for almost a month, and my knee is still not right, you know, I pushed it pretty hard so I could go. But, I mean, I, th- th- that's the one thing that kept me going, and... Um, one of the things that the doctors would tell me is they said, we never met anybody like you, you're, you're, you're just, you're crazy because you're just, you. one of the funny things is I'm in the rehab hospital and I get a call and they're like, um, would you like to do a comedy show? And I said, sure. And they said, well, we need to do it for this church for, um, Christian school. I said, sure. I said, I can't walk yet. But but you can set me in a chair. And so she says, well, we need somebody for our church. Would you be willing to book for that, too? And I said, sure. I said, just, just give me a chair. I can't walk yet, but hopefully by the time that we're booked, I should be able to walk. Oh. <laughs> so when I tell you determined or maybe stubborn is the word, cause I don't give up. That's why I've been in comedy 10 years. Most people would probably just quit. I, I have in my mind to do something. I'm going to do something. So like you said, it's going to get better and I got to work on my knee and I got to work on a hip. And a lot of it's a muscular thing But we'll get it better, but we can get out hunting again. It'll be fun. So
1: good.
3: good. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, I'm, I'm curious about something, so, about your comedy shows, because I know for me, I would relate and love to hear stories like that, like, 50 years of stories, like, I absolutely, I would just, I would love that, that's, that's why I love having a podcast, like, I love, I love that, but do you, do you, and, and it, see, I already kind of feel like I know the answer to the question, but. You are doing shows for all walks of life, and like, if you really think of the grand scheme of like, our population, it's a very few percentage that are hunters. So, what's that like performing? Do you do you get people relating to you? Um, do, do, were you nervous? I mean, tell me what that looks like performing, like a comedy show around hunting, when probably the majority of your audience sometimes has no like can't relate. If you know what I mean. <laughs>
3: So part of that is just repetitions. I've done so many shows and that over the course of 10 years, I've tailored it. I have my, what I call my one hour, right? It's, it's 55 minutes to an hour long. And I've honed all those stories perfectly. So it doesn't make any difference what audience I walk into. They're all the same. I, I can tell you, one of the cool things is some, I tell you that they're stories.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: when I, when, one of the things that I do is it's structured in the thing. So the very first five minutes is very, um, the jokes are very fast and fast and fast. And then as you get into a longer one, uh, then they go a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And, and my longest story is at the end. It's, it's probably 10 minutes long, pretty close to 10 minutes, maybe 11 minutes. <laughs> it depends on how much you're laughing. But the whole thing is because I've done this often enough, I know, I, I can tell you when they're going to laugh. Yeah. And a lot of times I was telling you, there's a lot of times I'm telling a story and I, my stories are very descriptive and you can see what's going to happen to me. You know exactly what's going to happen to me and I pause and when I pause, you can hear the sigh in the audience and they all get that visual picture in their mind. And then I tell the punchline and then the whole crowd erupts. Or what I was telling you is, is no matter who it is, they lean forward and I watch them lean in because it's like they want to hear it when you pause. Way, they know what it's gonna be. They know they know what's gonna happen before I ever say it and that build up creates the roar that you hear.
1: Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I figured so. I mean there's I am just like I think that's so great that like everything you talk about is based around hunting and I I um <coughs> I'm curious, like, maybe if you want to share more than one, is there, could you, like, enlighten us a little bit about, like, maybe uh, a story you like to tell or just anyone that comes to mind? I'm up for whatever you want.
3: I I got a good one. So (laughs) about, it's probably been over 20 years ago, but I was taking my dogs up north of Cheyenne, I lived in Cheyenne at the time, and I drove about sixty miles north and I was going up to go sharp tail hunting. And I went in and my short hair went out and we were about a mile away from the truck and my dog goes on point and he locks, just locks on. And I'm like, Oh, there's gonna be a sharp tail here. So I reached down and I touch him on the rear and out of this clump clump of grass, instead of it being a sharp tail, out comes this the prettiest little black and white skunk.
2: <laughs>
3: and as I see the skunk, the tail comes up. And there is a south wind blowing and I'm working into the wind and his tail comes up. And he shoots and blasts me from about six feet. Oh, no. I don't know if you've ever been sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> I haven't. something happened. Oh, it is so bad. Your mucous membranes kick into high gear. You will have snot coming out of your eyes. Your eyes will burn. (laughs) Your nose will run, right? Your chest starts to hurt. And eventually, as you breathe deeper, you throw up. Then you throw up until you dry heave. Well, by this time, I'm mad, and I take one of my double... One of my barrels and my double barrel, and I pull the trigger, and it's about six feet. I obliterate the front of this skunk. His head's gone, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: then I proceed to throw up more and dry heat more. Oh. And then I get really, really mad. And I take the second trigger, and I pull it, and I hit him right where that little sack is. No. Yes. <laughs> and what happened is, it's about six foot your shotgun pattern's about the size of a softball and it blows up the shock. And they tell you that skunks, you know, most of the time will if they spray, they cannot spray in. If you vaporize their sack with a shotgun, it the then the blast blew the skunk spray into me again. No. So oh now my I'm try heaving again and oh I'm puking gosh. and puking. And I just had it because I was so mad. I've got a mile walk back to the truck. So I get some water out and I give it to my dog. And he's whining and I drink some water and I walk back to the truck. Well, you see, I told you that I've hunted a lot. I've been sprayed by skunks five other times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Particularly, I've been sprayed coon hunting, I've been sprayed camping, I've been sprayed pheasant hunting three other times. (laughs) It is not a fun thing. And it's horrible. And one of the things I learned was when you get into your vehicle, it reeks. So I'm about, and it will reek for weeks and weeks, and you hate it. So what I decided to do is I have this bright idea, right? I know what's going to happen. I don't want to drive around in a skunk-filled truck. So I put my dog in the kennel, and I strip down to my tidy whities completely down. And I put him in a bag, and I grab a blanket, and I put her over the back of the sheet. And I get in my truck, and I look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I have blue eyes, but there's no white. It's all blood red. I have giant sacks the size of little orange slices underneath my eyes that are flowing with fluid that every time you touch them, run (laughs) down my face. I have snot coming out of my nose. I am drooling (laughs) from my mouth and I'm having a reaction on my skin and it is bright red. I look in the mirror and I'm like, look like I'm on drugs. I'm like, I just got to get home and get in the shower, wash me and my dog off. (sighs) I put the truck in the gear and I get going. And there I am in my tidy whities, right? Well, I'm about ten miles north of Cheyenne and I keep having to rub my eyes and they're just burning. And as I rub my eye, I took my hand off and I weaved across the center line. And as I weaved across the center line, I pulled back. And I saw him. It was a deputy sheriff. And I look down, and I'm in my tidy whiteies. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I think this is not going very good. You look like you're on drugs. Yes. So I see him spin around, and the lights come on, and I pull over. And I told you that I had that south wind that I was working into. Well, there's that same south wind, and as the police officer drives up, the deputy sheriff and rolls down your window. He looks at me. And the first thing he yells is, Are you on drugs? Are you on drugs? I'm like, no. And I can't talk very good. I'm like, oh, that's for skunk!" Oh, oh my god. But can't really understand me. And he's like, Get your hands out the window. Get your hands out the window. So I put my hands out the window. But that same South Wind <laughs> wasted the skunk spray off my hands into his face. And then he proceeded to start to dry heave and puke and dry heave and puke. And I looked at him. I said, Do "You want a bottle of water?" He's like, "What? You want a bottle of water?" And he's like, "Yes." And he kind of leans in and he goes, "Sir, it looked like you peed yourself a little."
2: I tell you, born a corner at me? Where are you at me?
3: And he's like, "Okay." We're both having very bad days here. I'm going to make a deal with you. I said, sure. He says, you are never, ever, ever going to tell anybody about what just happened. (laughs) And if you do not do that, I will not write you a ticket. And, of course, I always say, I became a comedian. I told this story a thousand times. Oh. (laughs) So I'm not always known to make the best decisions, but... (laughs)
1: Oh, my gosh. That's so awful. Did did uh, yeah. How long does it take for that smell to really come off?
3: So you can get, so there's a peroxide um, Dawn detergent mix that you can get on that will make it come off. There is tomato juice, which helps get it down the problem is is it's up in your sinuses and typically you'll be taking a you'll be taking a shower about a week later and some of it will just release and you can smell it and then you're just trying not to puke everywhere oh it's so bad how
1: do bodies hang (laughs) on to like have you ever experienced okay not to take (laughs) this like have you ever experienced? I feel like every hunter has experienced this. Have you ever got an animal and then, like, you know, if 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 you pass gas or anything like that, it smells. It smells like the gutted animal. Have you experienced? That?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And or if you, uh, and even if you're around it, or if you eat it, and people like say that's a myth, but like I think, I swear, and a lot of people think I'm crazy, but. For like a week straight, we ate antelope, and it was my first time ever having it, and maybe I got COVID or something. I don't know, but I I ate antelope for like a week straight. It's very sage. I can taste the sage in it. It was delicious. I loved it, but ever since then, <clears throat> which was months ago, my sense of smell and taste is totally different now. Like, there's things that just they um any type of feces like smells um different to me now like it doesn't like dog like dog crap doesn't smell like what it used to smell like human like (laughs) human poop doesn't smell like what it used to um certain foods don't smell the same to me they don't taste the same to me like good and bad um i feel like ever since i ate that and i i direct it with that because I notice um, – I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it changed, like, the chemistry of, like, my senses. I, I don't know. And maybe I got COVID along the way, and maybe that's really what did it, but I, I still have a sense of taste and smell. Um, but that stuck with me for a super long time, and I am convinced that has something to do with it about, like, my switching uh, – my food. I, I swear that had something to do with it. Anyway, that's one of my
3: tensions. What, what? – and if, if you end up, what I always tell people is lots of people hate the taste of the antelope. Um, yep. uh, what I tell people is the way that I always did my antelope is we would shoot them. We would butcher them on site, We would pack them in ice. I mean, literally, you you start gutting them right away. You start gutting them right away. You get that hide off. And then you debone everything on them. You pack them in bags. And I used to work at a chemical plant. We had a dry ice um, factory there. So I would always get this free dry ice. So I would always flash freeze them.
1: Oh, nice. And
3: everybody loved the antelope. And the whole point behind it is, is one, I killed it with one shot. It wasn't able to run because if they run, they don't taste good. Great. Right? And two, if you don't butcher them immediately then they usually don't taste good
1: yeah so i've heard that i've never experienced that hands-on but like i really liked it like it's really different but i do like sage like as a you know as a flavor so i i do i did enjoy it but it it uh i i swear it messed with me in some strange way and that like story i i have i am so afraid to say this out loud because i think it's going to jinx me uh but i've never been sprayed by a skunk um i know a lot of people that have and i'm afraid that maybe i just haven't been outside enough and my time's coming i feel like it probably is i've i've been near skunks multiple times we were out goose hunting last year and it was like, I, th- I mean, it, it was cute. Like, I don't know. I, I think skunks are pretty adorable. Uh, but we were in layout blinds in the middle of this cornfield. And we're all just kind of sitting up. And one of the guys is like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, in the middle of this cornfield, out of nowhere, this skunk is just beat, like, just busting it across this cornfield right into our decoys. Like, and he, he stayed a good few feet away from us. He never, he didn't even pay attention to us, but he just made a point to like, come through, walk through all the geese decoys and then just took off. Um, I've stepped like a few feet, uh, like I went over a hill, uh, like up a hill and, um, it wasn't even, it was still dark outside. It was for a turkey hunt. And, um, I was with a buddy of mine and, and we could see this, this like black ball, you know, in the dark. And he, as we're, you know, we're going over this hill, so we're thinking we're just seeing something that's further away, when really we're seeing a black ball of skunk that's pretty close to us, and we're walking into it, and then he just screams skunk, and uh, the skunk takes off. It doesn't spray, but then you hear, uh, you hear multiple uh, turkeys get out of the roost right behind us when he yells. Uh <laughs> and we ended up we've ended up getting we both ended up getting a turkey that day so it worked out but we thought our hunt was totally screwed but um i've been pretty lucky lo- and i couldn't hunt a lot um so i feel like my time's coming like that just sounds awful like that sounds so awful like and you've been sprayed do you say like five times five uh,
3: i've been sprayed six times total every single one of them well one of them was camping, The one of them was coon hunting, and then all three of them were, well, One, yeah, so it's five. Three of them were pheasant hunting, and one of them was sharptail hunting. So,
1: oh, my gosh, it's going to
3: yeah, happen the, to me I co- you know it. I can feel it. <sighs> yeah, and when it... <sighs> those coon dogs, because they'll rip right into
1: them. Oh, oh I would be so <laughs> mad. I would be so mad. Oh. Oh, no.
3: Did you did you get a coon
1: dog yeah so my boyfriend's a competitive coon um competitive coon uh hunter um he has uh we have three coon dogs all together um the one that he competes with her name is snitches get stitches and uh she is one of the um, top coon dogs in the nation actually um she made like the top 100 and uh, they didn't get to finals, but they they went to the world uh, world championship in Illinois, Salem, Illinois, a couple weeks ago. So she's she's a pretty she's a pretty awesome dog. And I hunt with uh, Monster. His name's Monster Balls, B A W L S, and uh, he is almost a, he'll be eleven years old, or he is eleven years old. Um, he's my He's my coon hunting, my coon hunting buddy. And then we have a younger dog who I, we're not sure if he's going to quite figure out coon hunting yet or not. But he's a sweet, he's a sweet boy. Um, so, yeah, we're in pretty deep. <laughs>
3: well, and I, we never had coon hounds, but I had friends that I would go with. It. It, it, it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, it it's is. Really.
3: So much fun to do.
1: Yeah, it's. Like right now, like he, uh, the boyfriend, he'll probably be walking in the door any minute now. Um, He's coon hunting out by where we live currently. But this time of year is fun. Um, The coon hunting opener is in just next weekend, I think. Um, I I
2: was going to say.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because like I didn't, and I did a podcast on this like a uh, you know near the beginning of starting this podcast, and um, it's interesting because something I did not realize about coon hunting, uh, it's actually very little killing the raccoons. So, like, it really is working your dog, and the dog finds a tree that they're in, and maybe sometimes you shoot the coon out of the tree. But most of the time, it's just training and working your dog. It's not actually um, really shooting that many raccoons. I, I, I don't know if people realize that, but it, it, you know, unless someone's like crazy after raccoons, which that could be. Uh, but, you know, if we've talked about fur, um, fur isn't really, isn't paying. A lot of, tra- you know, trappers and fur bearers uh, would take their fur in for money and, and it's just not really worth anything currently so um it's just interesting a lot I I have coon hunting has given me so much perspective about so many different things because if uh anyone listened to like some of my earlier podcasts I talked about how coon hunting was the least interest to me of any type of hunting I had no interest in it um in the last two years I've been pretty pretty hardcore with it I'd say for a newbie anyway
3: no, it's fun. It's fun running around in the dark chasing them things.
1: Yeah, it do. I, uh, it's probably. I was thinking about um, like the western states first. I would not want a coon hunt in the western states. You guys have like way scarier things going on at night than we do.
3: Yeah, there's you. You can run because um, a lot of the guys here, they nobody really runs. There's a few people that run coon. Most of them are running lion dogs. Sure, absolutely um, here, and there's lions, and that's that's not something. I mean, that can be hard on them. And if you, it, they, a lot of people here, they on private land here. If I remember right, you can go out at night and spotlight coon.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
3: It's legal. Yeah. So there's people that just go out, and um, uh, I've got some hides from a guy who was going out on a ranch because he had permission. You have to have permission, have to have it signed, all these other things in order to spotlight at night. And he would shoot coons, and then I would just uh, get the hides. And, and then it, again, they weren't worth it. They, they aren't worth anything.
1: Yeah. But
3: at least it's something, you know. I got nice coon hide.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm um, really interested in. I think the deeper, the, you know, maybe just maturity, the older I get, I'm really like a hyper-curious person. I, I really like to learn things. And um, I have been doing a lot of research and trying to uh, – I'm going to attempt to teach myself some tanning um, of furs, and I'd like to do some stuff uh, with furs, you know, this year. And, um, yeah, it's kind of like a next, a next project for me. Um. Uh, every raccoon fur is a little bit different. <laughs> They're all a little bit They're different. They're pretty there's cool. Some really cool. There's some really cool ones too. Um. So <laughs> when uh. when you are doing these shows do you get does anyone get offended by any of these things? Like these stories? <laughs>
3: I really haven't so I do hundred percent clean comedy yeah. i i've done i do stuff in church right
2: yeah absolutely
3: um yeah. i've done so many i had a lady complain once that said that I do a story about um uh, i call it you love your dog more than you love me because it's about it's about the first time i um I was engaged when I was in college and I would always talk about my German Charlotte pointers and I show people pictures of my German Charlotte pointers because that's what I do. That's how invested I am in my dogs. And I was telling her this story. Anyway, she says, you love that dog more than you love me. And then I go into this whole spiel about, because it got really quiet. It did. And I didn't say anything. And she turned beet red. And the whole joke is about, all the things that went through my mind that I did not say. But anyway, it didn't work out because of that. And some lady says, "So you got to realize I've been performed in front of thousands of people, and yeah. I had one lady yeah. say that was offensive. If that, if that's one lady, I mean, one out of thousand, sure. it's no big deal, you know. So, um, and and like I said, if 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 I can do it in a church, and maybe part of the reason is is. I don't know if I could do it in New York City, and I don't ever expect to work in New York City. But Wyoming has the highest percentage of percentage of hunters in the nation. I think they're second in fishermen Really? for percentage wise. For yeah, and it's it's a huge amount of people that do it. So even if they aren't um, necessarily um, aren't hunting, they know everybody knows somebody. Um, that, because it's what everybody does here and that's the one thing that's different about me is because I mainly hunt upland birds right and I I hunt some ducks and geese too but um, it's mainly upland hunting I, I have it all to myself because everybody else is hunting deer, antelope, and elk and I've killed deer, antelope, and elk and I'm just kind of like that's uh, I'm about working the dogs. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's really about to me is, is to see. And, and that's why I felt so bad because I put a lot of, I'm sure the reason why I missed all those rounds where I was turning up was stage grass, I'm not a bad shot. It's just, I think I wanted, I felt so bad for my dog because that's his reward. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: he goes on point, I go up, it the, and, and Darren misses and he misses again. <laughs> but, So I really haven't found anybody and I don't say anything. I try to, I try to make things, um, uh, non-offensive. So I told you that the story about the the police officer, right. Or the deputy sheriff. Um, we did a show that was raising raising funds for a police organization here in town. And, I didn't, I have two police stories. I respect those people more than anything. That's why I went to, that's why we did a show to raise money for this organization that um, provides gift baskets for all the police officers, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. because they're always under stress. And and so I didn't tell my police jokes to them. I, I have two of them, right? The one I told you, and there's another one about at the state Capitol about how I was calling crows with a police officer. That's a whole nother story. But so I don't – I, I kind of know my audience ahead of time, and I wasn't going to do it in front of them. But I, every other story I've done, all of, I mean, you, you don't – nobody's offended by my stuff. because That's part of the thing is people come there for an escape. They don't want to be offended. Yeah. And so I always tell people um, there are people that, that, that when you swear in a joke – a lot of it is nervous laughter
1: <laughs> Sure.
3: yeah and so it, it may be crude it may be whatever but I don't know how many times because I've worked with a bunch of other comedians on, on some other shows and you watch people cringe and I I don't want my people to do I want them to lean forward and listen to my story yes, so, yeah so I don't I don't do anything off color I don't do anything sexual I don't I mean there's a lot of things about my relationship with my wife and old girlfriends and stuff like that, but it's not offensive to anybody. It's, it's natural relationship things that happen.
1: Yeah. So. No. And I, I, what I think is what I, um, what I think is great is I think even comedy, sometimes that is a little bit more, you know, crude or, you know, whatever. Uh, people love to laugh, right? Like they, they, like you said, they want an escape. And what I think is so lovely is, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of people who don't understand or relate or appreciate hunting, right? Like they just, they think it's wrong or they don't get it or they know it has to do with weapons. So they're like, no, you know, killing animals, et cetera. So it it turns a lot of people off. So what I just think is so great is you're performing in front of a variety of like diverse people all the time and they're laughing and relating and having a good time, you know? And I, I think that's what's so cool is, you know, more than half those people probably don't even really relate exactly to your experience, but you're finding a way to like you know still relate to them and make them laugh and feel make them feel comfortable and I think I think that's so awesome because I I I I think just hunting in general can offend people right like it just bothers a lot of people so I um I I love that 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 this exists you know I I love that uh you're sharing these stories and um it's just it's it's neat because I, I I was hoping that you were just getting laughter and and um, warm reviews you know uh, but I I anticipated a possible you know some haters I guess um, and I'm 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 glad it doesn't seem that way.
3: Well, and like I said, I. <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is what we found out because I, if you saw my one sheet, I've performed in front of all these different audiences, wide, variety, wide variety of audiences and they all seem to like it. And, 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 um, and like I said, I don't do anything off color. I just, I, I don't. And part there's another reason for that is there's, there's a saying in comedy that they tell you that, um, if it's clean, it's green. And that means that people pay you more money.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. There are
3: there are there are other comedians that I know that are probably how do I? There are other comedians that are. It's more natural to them. They're good writers, but they write extremely filthy. That um, that I know are good comedians that, that I personally know that I have I worked with at times. But they they can only go to a bar, right? We're next. Um, on the 13th of November we're doing a 380 seat theater and we're working with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation.
1: Yeah.
3: And that's th- awesome. a, a dirty comedian couldn't do that. Yeah.
1: Right. Correct. So,
3: yep. And and that's that's the other thing that's been cool about this is is originally we started doing this for free because we're just, I'm like, I got to get more reps. I got to get more reps, but it makes you happy because whatever organization, and and here's a typical example, the the least we've ever raised is like a thousand dollars, but that's kind of the, the the offshoot more likely. Most of our comedy shows for these nonprofits, it's typically between five and 10,000 easy. And that's, it's just with a little bit of work. And um, it's one of those things where, People pay to come, they're happy to get out and, and laugh, and it's something different. Where, and for years, I helped with um, all the different nonprofits like Pheasants Forever. I helped with um, different organizations, Turkey, National Wild Turkey Federation. I helped with Ducks Room, and I helped with all these different organizations. But if you go to those banquets, they're all the same, and there's nothing wrong with them because they're there to make money right? And that is the purpose behind them. What this does is it gives them a different opportunity to where their committee doesn't have to work near as hard. They don't make near as much. I mean, maybe five or $10,000. But everybody is not sitting there through two hours of auctions. They're laughing for an hour and a
1: half. Yes. Yes. So, oh, my gosh. So do you, are you primarily right now, location-wise, are you um do you primarily focus in Wyoming or you kind of, do you travel pretty often? So,
3: um, because of, because how to,
1: because of COVID.
3: When I got COVID, I was really, really sick, Yeah, right? Yeah. And we, uh, I could only travel so much and I was my, uh, I, I work a regular job, right? Because of the fact that uh, I wouldn't had, had been working a regular job, but COVID kind of changed everything. But, um, so, so, I was only ever strong enough. My wife says you can only work every two weeks because it's going to take too much strain on you because I would just be exhausted because even if we were traveling, so we're staying in Wyoming and then we shut it. I literally shut it down for about, it's probably been just about two months because COVID got so bad, the hospitals are overflowing. So because... Here I am the poster child for the guy that lives from covid. I don't want to be the guy that has a comedy show and spreads covid everywhere. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's good of you.
3: that Yes. So the what we're, what I I've, I've performed in four different states. Um I performed in Iowa. Um the and the thing about it is is if there's an organization that would be interested in doing this, I can get on a plane. But still, It kind of creeps me out still,
2: yeah. but
3: I'm to the point now that physically I'm well enough that starting next year, we're going to start booking, try to book every weekend. And whether it's getting on a plane to do it or whether it's going to be driving to the location, whatever it is. Yeah. So
1: Yeah. no, It completely makes sense. I uh, No doubt that COVID 2020, you know, 2021 has rattled some cages for everybody and has made people have to shift and adapt and have grace (laughs) for themselves and, you know, everybody else. So um, I'm just curious, like I, uh, you know, part one of my, one of my jobs is I work and I've been a part of multiple conservation groups and, I uh, work with a lot of them now in my in my current job, and there are some incredible groups around here that just do some amazing things. And um, some of them do their 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 banquet. You know, they do their banquet. It's, there's a few counties in Iowa that have like huge, very successful um, pheasant banquets, and uh, in particular is what I'm thinking, but I, I just, like, imagine, like, what something like that would do, you know? Like, I I think that people would love that. <laughs> I think people would love it.
3: Well, and so can I tell you how I found you?
1: Yeah, please, yeah.
3: So, I, I follow <laughs> Outdoor Mentors, right, on Facebook. Oh. Because I follow Outdoor Mentors, and I had talked, um, uh, I talked to Brittany one time and I said, Hey, would you guys maybe be interested in doing, you know, something for outdoor manners?" I said, this is what we raise. We typically, I mean, it, the, the most we've ever raised like $15,000 for a show. But I said, you know, if you do it right, you can do this. And so I, I talked to her and then of course COVID happened and everything stopped. But so when they made the announcement on September 1st, I'm like, who is this Stephanie girl that got married and, or, or got um, the job in Iowa? So I looked you up, and I'm like, she's got a podcast. And then I got to tell you, I couldn't stop listening to your podcast. Oh, thank
1: you. <laughs>
3: thank you. So because you're good, I mean, all your different, because you have a different perspective than a lot of different people, and I like that, and I like the fact that because so many times – this is just an, this is just mean right but there's so many podcasts where they highlight This. i've been hunting for 2 years and this is my first dog mm-hmm. okay you being interviewed on a podcast for this mm-hmm. i'm like <laughs> and and here I am, and I'm like, I've only been hunting 45 years and had five dogs and hunted with 10 different breeds and hunted <laughs> you. Yeah. And you hear this, and you and, and nobody kind of gives credit because I know that the R3 is big, uh-huh. right? And that's, that's one of the reasons why the, the organization that you work for now, Outdoor Mentors, why I just love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it because of the fact that if we don't have those people, eventually hunting will go
1: away yeah yeah I uh I have I listened to a lot of podcasts and like audible books um just like while I work and it came up in two different books I'm trying to think and they couldn't be more like unrelated one was like a more like a spiritual book and one was more um like outdoors Oh, it was a podcast, and we were talking about. They were talking about uh, uh, Daniel Boone and Theodore Roosevelt, and in, in this conversation, in both of these things, in like a, in a day, it was talking about how human beings, like part of our problem, <laughs> is even with the best of intentions and solutions, most of us don't think beyond our lifetime, so we rarely create something that is lasting and sustainable past our own lives, right? So then therefore every 50 years, every 100 years, we have the same problems that we don't quite have a solution to a number of things, right? Like uh, you can name anything really, uh, agriculture, politics, um, just any any subject you wanna talk about, um, you know, wildlife management, uh, we, we come up with solutions, we come up with action plans, but sometimes we just don't, we don't think about, you know, in another way, we don't really think about anyone else but ourselves, and like, while we exist, kind of thing. Um, and like, that's been hitting me different, you know, like, cause I, cause sometimes as a mentor or someone who puts a lot of time into getting other people out hunting, it can be hard because sometimes I just want to, like, go hunting, you know, like, by myself and, like, do my thing. And I, and I do that, but not nearly as much. And I just get so much enjoyment from taking people and introducing them and teaching them. But, like, I, in a sense, so corny, but, like, hunting, like we said in the beginning, is just, like, a part of who I am. It's, like, ingrained in me. And it's, it, it helps me through life, you know, and I think human beings need that. Like, I it scares me to think about, like, uh, you know, fifty, hundred years after I'm gone, if hunting just disappears. Like, that makes me sad for the human existence. You know, that makes me like, I just don't think that that I don't I don't think I can't imagine that. Like, that can't be. But uh, you know, if we don't if we don't grow. Uh, hunters and get people out, outdoorsmen in general, um, we're in trouble. Like I, I, I think that we're really in trouble as, as a, as human beings. If, if, if we lose that, you know, so um, I think it's important. Well,
3: and that, I always, I always tell people that. You know, hunting isn't. Hunting is so many different things. They always talk about your progression of hunting. For me, it's always been all encompassing because my dad would stop and make me pick wildflowers for my mom Aww, in the springtime. Yes. If we're morale hunting, we would. We, 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 so we would be morel hunting, and then I would. I would always pick the bouquet for my mom, and we had places we went every year to look for the first flowers of spring to pick for my mom. Then we're looking at. The swallows come in at May 1st, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's when they come to nest. We ran bluebird boxes, right? We ran string. We had 27 bluebird boxes, right? I think about all the things that I look at, all the birds, all the insects. I'm always looking at everything. So... To me, that's as, as much about hunting as anything else, because I'm looking at everything. And then there's that there's that people always talk about trophy hunting. You know, I've shot an elk, I've shot a big elk, I've shot some nice deer. I've shot, it doesn't do anything for me, because for to me, that's not important. I mean, I if I had more time, I would be elk hunting and deer hunting also, and animal hunting. Um, but then there's that part of the time that you, and the friends you make. These the, the stories that I talk about, the good thing about this is all my stories are basically poking fun at myself. Except for a couple <laughs> of them, right? But the thing about it is, is I always tell people, because I'm an idiot. There's times I just am an idiot. and But the thing about it is is it's all those things that I, it's all the other funny things that have happened over the years on hunting and fishing trips. And I remember my, my mom and dad used to let me go during the school year and my godfather would go fishing and he would go to South Dakota or he would go up in northern Minnesota, or they would go to lakes. They would go to Lake Michigan fishing and I would tag along and I would be the cook. And I remember those times, I, I always tell people, I learned more in the three days that I would be gone, I learned more in three days about real life than I ever learned in those three days that I missed from school. Yeah. yeah. Because everything around you, and I got to see some of the cool things, and I still to this day, I remember all those trips, and so it's an, everything's an adventure, and The weird thing is is I live in Casper now, and even when I go fishing, I used to go further and further out. Well, now I've found out that in town here, I go down and I go fishing, and I see beaver. I see, I got a mink that I see just about every time I go. There's a hole I fish. I see him all the time, right? I'm seeing all kinds of migratory birds. I'm seeing everything else, and here I am. And I'm literally, I'm down off the bank, 30 feet from somebody's house, and I'm watching a mink, and nobody knows he's there but me.
1: Yep. Yes, I, I relate to this on, you totally get what I'm, what I'm getting at, and I, yes. Um, like one of the, like I, I this is just how, again, my brain works, is, uh, um, the, 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 my boyfriend... He, um, it's an extremely, like, it's extremely attractive to me that he is, like, so good at so many things related to the outdoors, you know. But one of the coolest, like, one of my favorite things, and I don't know if I've ever told him this or his dad this. um, Him and his dad, you know, both, like, avid fishermen and outdoorsmen and hunters. uh, And and they're kind of, like, rugged hillbillies, you know. One of the things that I think is so cool, and this is like just like what I think about outdoorsmen, because there's so many layers to these like to these people, is he's this rugged guy who's always kind of a mess, wears camouflage Crocs, you know, uh, and when there are there's there's a number of birds that him and his dad, they see them, they hear them, they know exactly what they are, and they whistle, they they can replicate whistles really well, and they'll like whistle at them, you know and uh like do their call back at them and it's just like second nature to them they both do it I don't even know if they both know that they do that they just like do it like all the time and like they'll be like do you know what kind of bird that is and I'll have no idea and they'll be like annoyed that I don't know what this bird is and they and they just know these things you know and they and and if they hear a bird in a tree they they know what that is and I and like like that, that's kind of like weirdly poetic you know what I mean like it's 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 this big rough and tough manly man that just whistles at birds like a fairy tale princess you know like it's it's uh it's amazing and I, I just think that's like the stuff like you're saying like I that's what I love <laughs> the most about people and like who love the outdoors that stuff is what I love
2: so
3: one of those weird st- you're talking about weird things is I, I love bird it, anything if I can see any any kind of animal. But so when I was in high school, my dad comes and gets me before for school. He says he's got to come see this. Right, so it's right outside of Snaizger. He goes, "There's a turkey vulture out there. There's a turkey vulture." So we sat and we looked at this turkey vulture because we've seen tur- we would see turkey vultures by. Um, on the Mississippi river, but they, you never see them in Mitchell County. They just weren't there growing up. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in high school and we sit there for about 20 minutes watching this turkey vulture. Right? Well, I get into school late and I remember talking to Mr. Thorson and Mr. Thorson's like, you're late for class. Why are you late for class? And I said, I was out watching a turkey vulture with my dad.
2: <laughs> oh <laughs> He
3: he didn't believe me. He he she you just made that up. No, you can talk to my dad. You can he goes, Do I need to send you that? No, you call my dad. <laughs> so, so I did a comedy show in my I did a comedy show in my hometown, I don't know, four or five years ago. And I said, Hi Mr. Thorson. remember when I told you about that
1: turkey vulture? That story is true. <laughs> <laughs> Did.
3: He didn't believe me at the time, though.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, so. if, if they can't, yeah. I mean, I why, Like, I, cause you would not. I don't know. I guess I would never hear a kid say that. So, absolutely. Um, I, you know, something that you highlighted, like that you talk about in your shows, that I was like immediately. I don't even know what you say, but like I immediately chuckled to myself is um, talking about hunters and their dogs um, and, like, the relationship of that. And, like, I just feel like I I feel like you have to have some great stories. Um, <laughs> is there, as a, also um, a having coon dogs and bird dogs both alike, uh, is there anything you'd like to share about? Hunters and their dogs.
3: <laughs> so I'll tell you this. I told you this story about you love that dog, right? Yep. So I admit that I am a crazy dog person. I can tell you the exact moment that I knew that I was a crazy dog person. <laughs> I was in college and I was engaged. I was telling my fiance the same story for probably the fourth time. And she looks at me. And she says, you love that dog more than you love me, don't you? And it was that quiet. (laughs) I didn't say anything. I was supposed to say something. But lots of things started to run through my mind. (laughs) The first was I started to think, that is I have the best hunting dog in the entire county. So and so for my fiance. No, no. She, she wasn't the best fiance in the entire county. She was maybe in the top 50%, but she was never going to break the top 20% ever, right? <laughs> and then I started to think to myself, this is a once-in-a-lifetime dog. Not so much so for my fiancé. No, no. She wasn't a a a once-in-a-lifetime fiancé. I could do better. I know. And she kept getting redder and redder. And then I thought, my dog is very beautiful and graceful.
1: (laughs) No. Not
3: so much so for my fiancé. No, no. She had a crooked nose and was a clasp. Oh. And then I thought, my dog is highly intelligent. Not so much so for my fiance. No, no. She got a 13 on her ACTs. I don't know if you know how low that (laughs) bar is. But technically, if my dog could have taken the ACTs and randomly picked A, B, C, or D, my dog would have got a 14. So my dog was smarter than my fiance. But you know what the kicker was? No matter how many times I told her to go retrieve that duck out of the water, do you think she would? (laughs) No way. And my dog would do it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, uh, what I was saying, that's that story I told you that somebody said they were affected because it was the woman. I remember that exact moment. (laughs) Because I didn't answer, she's because she said that to me, and I'm like, "Oh God, What am I supposed to say?"
1: Listen, I <laughs> got all I, quiet. When you first said that someone got offended by that, I was like, "Why?" But now that I heard it, I feel personally attacked because <laughs> I uh, am pretty sure I am outranked by Snitches Get Stitches, the boyfriend's dog. I am well, of course, I'm pretty so. sure. <laughs>
3: no and it's 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 one of those anyway so that 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 she never we never did get married i would say i just luckily i married another crazy dog person and my wife's in the other room and and so she's my wife's just like she's my wife is very um she's very possessive of our dog she's very possessive i mean that's those are our babies we we got we don't i always tell people they always say well how come you got married so late? Because I didn't get married until I was 35. And they said, how come you got married so late? And I said, well, because I was off doing my adventures. I said, you don't find very many women at the top of a, of a mountain or the bottom of a canyon. I said, because I, I would be there by myself, either hunting or fishing or something. So anyway, I, she's a crazy dog person, and it's the best thing. Except now I'm a, I'm a crafter. So, yes, I'm a crafter now.
1: You're a crafter. What are you crafting?
3: Yes, I I, I do crafts. My wife does crafts. So,
1: yeah, oh, so like you guys do crafts so, together.
3: Uh, yes, we. That's she, My wife sells quite a bit of. Cr- she does lots of crafts. I do a lot of the woodworking stuff and she she does the painting and we do signs. We do all kinds of stuff. We build lots and lots of birdhouses. Um, but so um, uh, we do lots of crafting and so I'm a crafter. And, and the other thing is I tell people that cause she didn't really have any hobbies when I first met her and she's crafting is one and she does bees. Right. Which means I'm a beekeeper. So we got, we've only got three hives now, but I always say the greatest thing about having bees is if you tell people that you have bees, because you have, we had tell our neighbors, 11 out of 10 people will tell you that they're allergic to bees. And that's a <laughs> lie. There's only about 0.5% that is allergic to bees. And of that 0.5% that is allergic to bees, my mother-in-law is one, which means my house is quiet for six months a year oh. because she cannot come over. <laughs> <laughs> and then, th- I, and I, always, I always have to preface this as, as Mary, if you're listening to this, I don't really mean it. No, my my mother in law is great, but she's actually allergic to bees. She has to be real careful when she comes over because we've got six, we've got three hundred thousand bees in our backyard. So
1: that's neat. That's super neat. I, so. I, uh, so my, do you? Okay, so maybe maybe you can tell me if I'm allergic to bees because here's my one time being stung by a bee. What happened is I was at a three D archery range. I had my bow completely pulled back. A bee goes into the armpit of my shirt, stings me in the armpit. And it it hurt, definitely hurt. Um, and I just like felt funny in my arm. Like I couldn't really explain it. It was just kind of like fuzzy feeling a little bit. And I looked down and my middle finger has doubled in size just my middle finger only my middle finger is it has completely doubled in size and is like turning a little bit of like a slightly a purple purplish color and it stayed like that for a few hours um I took a Benadryl and eventually it just you know it just went away um I'm assuming there's some connection between the armpit and the finger that that had an effect on, like in my bloodstream. But does that mean that I'm allergic to bees? Do you know?
2: No. (laughs) Okay.
3: So so I have one of of our mentors, right? He's been working bees for 30 years. And um, he got stung and his whole hand swelled up one day. But we pretty much get stung every week.
2: Sure, um, yeah. it's I
3: always tell people, it's, you, know, you, you just get stung, you just get... Used to it, but we went over to his house one, and his hand was like double its normal size, and he couldn't barely move his fingers. And I'm like, "Kate, you're not." He says, "I don't know what he did. Wherever wherever she hit me, because they're they're females, right? Wherever wherever they hit me, it just swelled up really bad. So you may or may not. If you weren't having any breath, this is what we tell people: if you're not having any breathing problems, if you're not having, you know, your your throat is constricting, a pain in your lungs." your eyes are if you get stung in the eye you'll know it 'cause it'll they'll swell shot. Um we've had that so you wear a veil and stuff, you'll be careful around that. But most of the time, sometimes it's just an instant reaction and it may never bother her again. Like my mother in law, if she gets stung by a bee, they have to there has to be an epipin because she will stop breathing. Oh
1: my goodness, yeah.
3: So what I mean, most people think is an allergic reaction is just kind of yeah
1: yeah just so, a reaction.
3: So it may never have it happen again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's so. Yeah, I uh, most
3: of the time they they
2: go ahead.
1: No, I I have a, a ton of interest in um, like beekeeping. I I think that's awesome. I think it's um, I love like local organic honey, um, and there's a lot of like health benefits to that. and I, I think that's really neat. I'm just very curious about about that. There's a beekeeping course actually out by where I live that I've been on the waiting. I'm on the waiting list for right now. Um, I just I, I'm I, I figured I wasn't allergic, but that reaction was super bizarre. I mean, my my middle finger looked like the girl off of the you know Willy Wonka who turns into a blueberry. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah.
3: it, it I've. We, we always tell people just take Benadryl, take a bunch of Benadryl, and, and if you get the liquid, because that's the best to get it. Um, most of the time, I, can't, I can think of, I, most of the time when I get stung now, it's just, I get stung,
1: yeah. right?
3: Yep. My hand swells up, my fingers, because we usually get stung in the hands. So.
1: For sure, yeah.
3: So I don't think you're learning. But anyway, so back to the crafting thing, I'll tell you my story. Right. Okay, okay. I'll just tell you one more real quick joke. So I always tell people, and I'll just do the shortened version. We'll do that. There's, there's four parts to this joke, but basically I tell people I'm a crafter, right? And I had dreams when I was in high school, right? When I was 18 years old, I dreamed going to the mountains of Wyoming. I dreamed of going 9,000 to 10,000 feet. I waited, dreamed for the sun to come up over the top of the mountain and shine down in the valley so I could Shoot and kill a big majestic elk, and I've lived that dream, right? Mm-hmm. But now I have a reality—a reality of being married to a crafter, right? <laughs> okay. Now I wait for this. Now I wait for the sun to come up over the top of the trees and to shine down upon the doors of Hobby Lobby
2: <laughs> at
3: 7:59 a.m. So I can go in and buy sequins for my wife's craft project. And if you think that's emasculating, the most emasculating part is when you go up to the front counter and Janice says, hi, Darren, how are you doing? Do you want to use your 40% off coupon? And I say, yes, that's, so that's the reality of being married to a crafter.
2: Yes.
1: Oh. (laughs) But there are so many crafts you could do with, you know, fur, antlers, whatever, I mean, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Do you fly fish well, then? You do, right?
3: I, I do, and I fly tie. Um, yeah. One of the things that I will tell you is you live in Iowa. One of the things that you need to learn how to do is to fly fish for carp. It is the most incredible thing ever, right? Um, most people will tell you, I, I always ask people, a lot, why would you want to fly fish for a carp? I said, how many times has a fish ever taken you to your back? And they'll say, what? I didn't even put backing on my fly rod. I said, "What? Well, if you have a carp and you fly fish for them, and you set a hook on it, let's say a ten or fifteen pounder, they're going to go to your bank. Yeah, sometimes two or three times. Yeah. It's incredible. And so I love to fly tie. I don't fly tie as much anymore. Mainly, I I've tied so many flies and I have so many of them that are just sitting there because um, yeah. one of the things that sucked about COVID now. Again, my knee doesn't work. My shoulder doesn't work anymore as much. So, um, even casting a spinning rod can be hard. It's getting better, but so casting a fly rod, it sucked, but, um, fly fishing for carp is incredible. You set the hook and then you just hold on (laughs) and, and I mean, you hold on and, um, uh, they're so much fun. Sometimes they'll run, like I said, they'll do two or three big runs. And if they get in the current, they're gone. So, yeah. and you can fish them on. Um, you can fish them on little like bluegill poppers, right? And you just got to cast it to them. If they're fishing on the surface or fishing on the boat, they'll come right up and suck it in, and then you just hang on. Oh
1: so. my gosh! Yeah, I bet that's a riot. I would think that's super fun. I I loved bowfish and. Uh... Um, I'm also, like, really nerdy about cast, like, using cast nets to catch our own bait, and um, I, yeah, I'm very aware of, like, how big an aggressive carp are, and uh, I had one of the best, uh, like, throws I've ever done with my cast net. I had to have had, I don't even know, 40 shad in my cast net, which is what I was after, But I ended up catching a carp in there, and that sucker just gave one throw of his body, and it completely opened up my cast net and lost all my shad. Um, So I can only imagine, like, fly fishing for one, how fun that would be. That would be super cool. I'll have to try it. Seriously.
3: Well, and I, I'll, I'll, I mean, I fly fish, I I grew up fly fishing for um, bass, 'cause it is so much fun. And then when I moved to Wyoming, I start fly fishing for um I start fly fishing for trout, of course, because that's what everybody does here. And then um, it's probably 92, 91, 92. ninety one, ninety two, I'm by this lake and I see this giant carp and I'm like, oh well I'm just going to tie on this little bitty fly and I'm going to throw it out to this carp and they sucked it up. And I'm using like a six X tippet and I set the hook and it snapped it. And then I did another one and they snapped it. And then I'm like, well I gotta figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> I use like I use like zero X tippets now, so it's heavy duty. And um I mainly fish with like saltwater style flies that that have the hook up or I fish with like a a little popper that I'm just throwing out they're feeding on the surface. So it's a blast. Yeah, I bet
1: that would be a lot of fun. Um is <laughs> do you have any? Um, well, I guess first, where can people hear you, book you, learn more? You know, learn more about you. Where can people? Where can people find you?
3: If they go to the nut house in the hospital, they can find me there. <laughs> No, they can go to, um, if you go to um, com, I have a website, or find me on Facebook. If you look up Darren Bulow, it's D-A-R-E-N-B-U-L-O-W um, on Facebook, or Darren Bulow, the hunting and fishing comedian, they'll find me, and they can book me there, and that's where they can find me. Um, like I said, now that COVID's kind of slowing down a little, we're booking for, I'm booking for um 2022 basically is where we're looking at now we've got a couple shows in November and that's about it. So and then everything else we do I do Christmas shows and then everything else will be shows basically through 2022 and we we've got a bunch of them booked already. So
1: That's awesome. That is so great. Um do you like my words are getting ahead of me. Do like do you wish you would have done this sooner? <laughs> I can just tell how much like the joy and you're like, I don't know. You can just like feel it through the phone, like how this like lights you up. And um, I guess if you would have done it any sooner, you wouldn't have as many stories, I suppose. But I am yeah grateful the- that you exist. <laughs>
3: Well, and I don't know if I would have had as many stories or if I was mature enough. Sure. Um, one of the things, is, a lot of comics, this just happens with comics. I see it, right? Is, is they like, to, uh, I create it like a business, right? So everything is done. Um, just like a business, right? When you come in, I'm going to be dressed nice. Whenever I have a meeting with you, we're going to have presentations ready. We're going to have everything ready. We're going to have contracts. We have everything else. So I don't think I could have done that when I was younger, um, to bet, to be as professional as a person, because I try to do it. If you were, if you were to deal with me, you were thinking you're dealing with a banker, the way that I deal with stuff. Well, we I mean even with the people that uh, there's no way a lot of this over 10 years has developed And if I was 20 years old, there's no way to like like say when I don't have enough life experience and two I don't think I was mature enough. Yeah, so
1: yeah, I really think things play out the way they do you know oftentimes for a reason um, I. I Just I, I really want to see one of your shows, <laughs> and I want I, I, I want to check it out. Um, do you have any uh, parting words or stories or anything for our guests? Uh, words of wisdom, advice, uh, a laugh, whatever you want to whatever you want to say. Oh, yeah,
3: <laughs> never give up on your dreams. Never, ever give up. If, if you want to do something, go do it. Um, find out, read everything that you can, and go do it. Um, every You only have so many days on this earth, right? So even though it hurt me to go hunting, all those hunting and fishing trips that you want to go on, go do them now. I'm 55. I went through COVID, and now I'm wondering... Is my hunting career over? So, if you're 20 years old, or 25, or 30, or 40, and you have a dream thing that you want to do, save your money, go do it, because you never know what tomorrow brings. I always tell people that you know on 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 October 27th, which it's October 27th today. So a year ago today, everything was fine in my life. The next day, it wasn't. So if you're sitting around on the couch playing on your phone. Or you're sitting around watching TV when you could be doing something. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to go on an adventure. Maybe you want to make that bucket list and go do it because you could be dead tomorrow. Yeah. So. You know,
1: that's some solid, solid advice. And every time I ever hear anyone be like, take the trip, I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I'm going to take the trip, like I was, you know, like there's always, there's always a new adventure that I want to do, and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to do it again, <laughs> but I I rarely, uh, I don't know if I've ever regretted it, um, so I, I think that's lovely, and I love, I love, love, love that you come at things in life from such like a like a sweet lighthearted way. Um, and I love that your comedy is approachable and good for all ages and all kinds of kinds. Like I honestly, and I don't know if that you even do this on purpose. Um, I, I don't know, but kind of like when I was asking you, if you get any negative negativity about, you know, your, your comedy being about hunting, um, I love that because because someone could take um, like hunting stories and totally make them um, maybe a little bit more crude or something. But I love that you take that approach because I think uh, I think, oh, my gosh, my coon dog just came and knocked my recorder over. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay. So (laughs) I I love that you take that approach because it makes it this positive experience for everybody. And like big picture, like that is such a great thing for the outdoor world. And like to get a bunch of people from all walks of life in one space, making them laugh, having a great time, talking about hunting stories. Like, I don't know what's better than that. Like, I, I, I really don't know what's better than that. So... Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> well, one of the things is that I have some hunting stories that are incredible. And if you were to tell them to another hunter, they're much funnier than the stories that I have. But I can't tell them in the general public because sure. I do not want hunters to be seen in a bad yes, light. Yes, that's not, exactly. my, that's not my, my deal. My deal is to prevent it. I'm kind of an idiot. And things happen to me, and that's that's what my life's about. Yeah. And the fact that they can be pre- presented, it, whether I'm in a church or I'm in a 300 seat theater or I'm in front of any organization, it doesn't make any difference. It's all transferable. And it, you know, again, that's a business thing because it's I, I'm here I'm here to make money, and that's that's what it's about because that's my dream and that's what I want to do. So yeah,
1: yeah, keep. Keep doing it, man. I, I think it's great. Um, Thank you so much for for being on this podcast and uh, what you're doing. And I, I can't like wait to hear more of your stories. And um, just really, really thankful for this time. And thank you so much.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm looking. I'm trying to get back to Iowa um, to to do some shows. Um, I'm going to be booking, um, over the next month, I'm going to try to get some stuff booked next year there, um, because I have family there, so I can go back and visit them and do shows there, so.
1: Awesome. So, oh hopefully we'll see you. Yes. If you come to Iowa, I need to, I need to either, like, follow, I need to follow you, make sure I'm following where you're going, or let me know, um, if I can make it, I definitely, um, I would want to check it out and support you, uh, I think, I think that would be a great time cool yeah cool. yeah thank you so much and i hope uh you enjoy crafting and fishing and every other adventure you have coming up <laughs> yes all
3: right so well, it was great talking to you steph
1: you too thank you so much for being here so appreciate it every single time you guys are incredible And as always, I invite you to leave a review, reach out to me, check out the website, follow the email list. Let me know your ideas. You have an idea for a guest. You want to talk about collaboration, reach out to me. I'm, I'm pretty responsive and I love hearing from all of you. Until next time, get out there.